This is Nuance Radio. I guess break a leg tonight, as they say. Ah, as they say. <laughs> Hopefully uh, I don't do that again because I almost did that last night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nuance Radio invites you to join the conversation that has come to be known as One Bloke Went to Mo. Welcome, welcome. This is One Bloke Went to Mo. And my name's not important. With me is Victoria. Victoria, how are you? I'm getting there. I'm almost done with my first cup of coffee. <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> yeah, we are recording this on uh, Sunday morning. So, because uh, it's been a long weekend, as you may have heard, we are both starring in The Odd Couple being put on at the Avenue Theatre. So we had our opening night on Friday. Second night last night went quite well. More on that later. We've got some interviews coming up with the cast behind the scenes in the green room. Mainly the reason why we're recording this a little later than usual. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot later than usual. We're tired. <laughs> Very tired. <laughs> it is a frosty morning here in West Plains. Uh, if you're new to the show, uh, because apparently we're getting new listeners every week. Woo! Um, this is really a show about what it's like to live in uh, Missouri, I guess, or in America uh, from an Englishman's perspective. It's been uh, 21 years or so since I've uh, been in the States, uh, having spent the first 30 years in England. And um, it's also a record for my kids, you know. I'm 53, I've got a 5-year-old and an 8-year-old, and uh, I wanted to leave something behind for them. Um, I guess what inspired it is... When I was a kid, I interviewed my grandfather. He worked in the uh, on the railways, and I've still got that cassette tape with me. And um, although I haven't listened to it in ages, it made me think, oh, this will be easier than writing it all down. So, <laughs> and a lot more fun. You know what? What? Stuff like this. One day, probably like 30 years in the future, someone's going to hear it, and they're going to go, oh, this would make a great movie. And they'll make like a series... <laughs> or like a serious show, or either they're going to make a movie out of it, and people are going to cry. <laughs> Tragedy? I mean... No, like happy cry, like, this okay. is so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think it would be a, uh, a comedy, at least. Laugh cry. Yeah. <laughs> well, tragedy is comedy, in a way, right? Uh, yeah. Tragedy plus time equals comedy. Anyway, um... It's a frosty morning here in West Plains, uh, 27 degrees Fahrenheit or uh, minus 2 Celsius for those in the UK and Europe. Over in uh, England, uh, 10 degrees Celsius or 50 degrees, uh, so looking nice. Uh, actually, the beast from the east, I am informed by Julian, my friend, uh, was not really quite so beastful oh. <laughs> or beastly. Beastly. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you know, some places got hit, um, others didn't, and uh, like I said, they've got uh, temperate temperatures now and uh, a lot of rain. So, oh my goodness, what's new there? Anyway, um, we are looking like we're going to have an interesting week this week coming up on Thursday. The previous night, Wednesday night, it's going to be sixty-one degrees during the night, and then it's going to climb into the seventies. And we're going to have rain all day. So Thursday's going to be an interesting day. Did that just update this morning? Uh-huh. Oh, uh, <laughs> God. 61 degrees at night in March. That's, That's cute. Really cute That's really is one cute. word, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, that's cute. The rest of these temperatures are gross. <laughs> I'm tired of it. Really need to get around to starting to plant some seedlings. I know you've started a, a while back, didn't you? Yeah, and then the temperatures dropped, and now I can't put them outside. Yeah. <laughs> so they are not happy, and I might have to start over. <laughs> I know. This is the constant thing, right? When to start planting your seeds, you know, ready to put them out. So. Yeah, and the, the ones I started mm -hmm. were recommended in the time frame, like I started the week of for the recommended time frame so I could get them outside. They can't survive in this. Yeah. They would die. I'm like, what is this? Now I've got like these tall, stringy little plants that I have to figure out something to do with. Yeah. 
Now, Grandma, <clears throat> who I learned a lot from, uh, she starts planting tomatoes in her basement in January. So by the time it comes around to, you know, the beginning of May, when she finally puts them out, I mean, they're pretty tall already. Awesome. So, yeah. But um, she's got a thing for tomatoes, you know. Tomatoes. Like <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of tomatoes she grows. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. And cans them for the winter. Awesome. Tomatoes mm-hmm. don't really care for me very much. However, they're poisonous cousins. They definitely like me. <sighs> like in the nightshade family, uh, like the deadly Texas nightshade that just decided it loved me and my yard and grew there. Oh, right, right, yes. right. And Did you, on that subject, so is that an invasive uh, plant or something? I do not recall. I do believe there are some native ones to the U.S. Yeah. But this particular one that chose my yard, and even though, you know, I typically kill tomatoes, it stayed, and it went all the way to fruit. Wow, I can grow a deadly Texas nightshade plant, but I can't grow a tomato. (laughs) Cool. Very useful. I know, right? Um, Outside, if you're uh, driving around the the West Plains area, you are probably aware that all the Bradford pear trees are out in bloom. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're beautiful, honestly. If you've never seen them before, they have these white um, blossoms and they all come out on the same day. It was like last Friday, I think it was, you know, overnight, they all suddenly um, came into bloom, and so the landscape was suddenly transformed with lots and lots of these trees, you know, shimmering white in the sunlight. And the I got them confused for a long time with the dogwood tree. Oh, right? same, same. Because they do have a similar bloom, and the dogwood tree comes out a bit later on, either this month or next, and apparently the Bradford pear is an invasive tree. Did you know that? Yes. There's actually some group that's saying, hey, for every Bradford pear you cut down and bring to us, we'll give you a native pear species to replace it. That's right. I yes. saw that too. So. I was like, do it. <laughs> now, I personally mm. have a bit of a, a love-hate relationship with Bradford pears. Yeah. When I did landscaping down in the southeast, we always hated Bradford pears because they break apart. Oh. They okay. always needed something yeah. done to them. Okay. They didn't smell good. They actually stink. Mm. So all those pretty white blooms smell awful. Oh, really? Bees and flies love them, though. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why they pollinate quite so well. Then. Yes. Mm. Bees and flies love them. They just break apart. You know, I, I don't know where I stand necessarily on invasive plants, you know, because... To me, back in the day, everything was invasive, you know, like (laughs) when there weren't any people trying to conserve the countryside. I mean, that's how things spread, right? I mean, you know, I I go back to like my David Attenborough DVDs and they showed like the forming of an island, say a a volcanic island that suddenly appears 50,000 years ago. And, you know, initially it's all igneous rock, lava turned to, you know, by the water into rock. And it almost has a very glass-like surface. But eventually over time, you know, the wind and the water breaks it down and water freezes in the gaps and uh, creates places for the seeds, you know, the very first seeds to um, grow. And obviously those are brought there probably by birds, right? Um, And uh, pooped out all over the island. (laughs) So they are, you know, planted with fertilizer. (laughs) So yeah. Um, and then, you know, 50,000 years later, you've got trees and grasses and different birds. And uh, even those birds will suddenly become flightless because it's, you know, safer not to fly if you're on a windy island. I think when they're talking about invasive, it's uh, human interference. Like if a bird naturally brought something over like a Bradford pear, mm. I think there's less fuss about it. It's, it's when um, people do it because of just probably negligence Mm. oh okay and that usually wipes out entire species of birds and the best example was a a species of bird that was in hawaii and it was really sad i watched a little documentary on it i can't pronounce the name of it but they have a recording of the the very last bird's song and it was singing out for a mate and there was no callback oh no and they died because of people bringing cats 
and snakes and rats over because none of those things were native to Hawaii and it wiped out a bird that existed nowhere else. Right, right. That's what they're talking about. Uh, right, yeah. Well, look out for those Bradford trees, you know. I don't know what they're up to, but uh, <laughs> they're invading us. And uh, if you want to get, if, if you want to reduce their numbers, <laughs> there is a program out there. Um, I'll, I'll look up the link. Yeah, I think it was one of our local politicians, wasn't it? Randy McCallion. I, I saw a posting about that. I think I don't, so. I don't know something. if she's uh, a member of the group, but she was certainly on board with uh, the promotion of it. Anyway. In local news uh, from the UK, let's start there. Uh, Colford, um, a little town next to Lydney, they have a society called the Colford Welcomes Walkers, or CWW, and... Uh, over the last five weeks, they've been busy tidying up all the car parks and tourist areas and, um, you know, tidying up the litter and cleaning away the leaves and making it all look presentable. Again, one of those organizations that I think is so cute uh, because it's a very English thing, you know, to, be, <laughs> to get a group of people together and go out every Sunday and clean car parks just because you want your town to look pretty. I mean, it's highly commendable. Yeah, definitely. And, and I only bring it up because, you know, if there is any difference that I see between, you know, living in England and living in America, it's that America, you know, is a few hundred years behind, right? I mean, they're... I mean, I often say they're 30 years behind. That's probably more fair to say. But um, I think the biggest demonstration of the difference, right, to me, is when I go to, the, to Walmart, to the grocery store, and I look at how the shopping carts are left or returned <laughs> or not returned. I mean, there are, there are places all over the car park, and the car park is massive, right? Like comparing it to, say, the Tesco grocery store in Lydney, the car park at Walmart is probably five times as big, right? Yeah. It's huge. Walmart's And nasty. so there are lots and lots of places over the car park where you can uh, go and put your shopping cart back. But do people do that? No. They, they'll leave it right next to where they, you know, right next to where they parked. Or they'll have a go at returning it and they'll leave it close to the pen, but they won't actually put it in inside. Oh. So now, now, people will say, yeah, but, you know, there are people employed to go around and collect all the, all the carts. And, yeah, I get that. But it shows me something, you know. It shows me how much people really care about their community and, and their neighbours by how poorly they... Uh, how poorly they do this simple task of returning this shopping cart. Can, can I tell you one? Can I tell you one good? They get it into the corral, uh -huh. but it's sideways in the corral. I've done. I've walked up to one like that because I was wanting to put my cart up, and I just see this, and I'm like, "How did you do that?" Well, I don't know if it's it was um, stuck. I don't know if it's social conditioning, but mm. I cannot stand looking at a, one of those pens where... So I not only put my cart away, but I will tidy up and put all the other carts together. And I've had people looking at me like I'm mad when I do that. Okay, but, I will tidy them up too, as long as I don't have my child with me. If my child's with me, I'm like, I'm just putting this in the pen. I got to go. Right. But if it's just me, I will actually fix them. I can't stand looking at them. I'm just like, who are these animals putting these back? In other news, uh, more housing is planned uh, up near Tewkesbury. Uh, there, there's 800 homes planned, and uh, 300 of those are going to be what they call affordable homes. Um, again, this is one of those stories that you have to know something about building developers and the way that they get planning permission for you to understand it, because the headline was, you know, 300 affordable homes being built. And obviously, that's really important right you've got to, we've got to have affordable homes for people to get onto the property ladder um but it's basically a requirement by lots of local planning committees that if you're going to build a new housing development they're all they can't all be you know half a million dollar homes they they oh they recognize that you've got to if you're going to get planning permission you've got to build some affordable housing anyway so it's promoted in this way to make the building company look look good. Yes. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure 
um, from my own experience that they are actually required to do this anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm glad that they are, you know. The um, Talking of the uh, Lydney Tesco, the grocery store there, the British Red Cross has... Um, is rolling out a new scheme where you can go on your phone or go online and order a wheelchair. And when you get to the grocery store, they will have it there ready for you. And in fact, a volunteer will bring it over to your car. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that use wheelchairs will often, uh, at least around here, they'll have like a little attachment on the back of their vehicle and they'll have the wheelchair there ready. Um, but that's not always the case in England, you know. We don't have these big trucks with uh, hydraulic lifts on the back, and uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, most people are still driving little minis in over there, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> no, they're not. Um, but uh, um, again, a lovely service, I think, you know, provided by again a charity. Now, should this be being done by a charity? Again, you know, my point of view is. Well, the government could employ everyone. The government could actually be employing people to do things like this, you know. And and wouldn't that be a lovely job? You know, like if you're out of work or, you know, you're in between jobs and, you know, the government says, well, you know, here's a job. I think that'd be very rewarding. Can I uh, add a little thing about what you were talking about with the affordable housing? Mm, yeah. Funny that you mentioned that because yesterday YouTube recommended a video for me. Mm -hmm. The guy's name's Harrison and he pays 50 bucks a month to live in a skip in London. Oh, my gosh. Now, it sounds terrible. Now, for us here in the States, a skip is one of those movable dumpsters that you can get put right. in your yard and you throw your trash in. Mm -hmm. Except a skip is smaller. Mm -hmm. And he did a really good job building his home. I will post the video on the Facebook page. Okay. And I was just kind of floored by this because it looks extremely comfortable he built it in a skip to combat the fact that he can't find a place to live in london wow. there was just somebody who owns like a plot out there they don't have a building on it uh -huh. and they let him put the skip there and he built a house inside the skip oh my goodness so he's like exempt from a lot of things and it's really nice inside. Well, I'm it really at it is. Now. It does look nice. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got an upstairs bedroom. Oh my goodness, that's a okay. Yeah, and so I, I will post the video, and it's really great. I so, want to see more of that because yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like. This funny little oh. oval shape. Oh my <laughs> it looks like an ice cream cone. <laughs> it does. It looks like it does. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'll post wow. the video so okay. you guys can see it. It's fantastic. Awesome. Um. <laughs> So creative. In other news, down in uh, the, um, I guess, Gwent area near Chepstow, just on the other side of the river in Wales, um, seems like a, um, it's, it's an interesting story, I think, right? Because there's this uh, um, a company, um, basically a quarrying company, right, that ex excavates uh, rocks and different... Uh, things like that, um, they were uh, excavating topsoil, right, removing topsoil from an area probably to sell it somewhere else, and they dug up an area that had been supposedly pre uh, preserved for uh, a breeding ground for the greater crested newt. So, um, you know, again, it's one of those things which is very different, right? In England, so many animals are protected, Um I think I mentioned this before that um, when we went to get planning permission on some land we had, you, even even the trees are protected. You know, you have to have yeah. a really good reason to cut down a tree. Um, yeah, y'all got a small space. Everything's really limited. They got to protect their, their native wildlife. Mm -hmm. And in looking at planning permission, you have to get lots of different environmental reports done. You know, what's the runoff going to be for that building site? You know, how much water is going to be how much extra water is going to be running into the sewers, um, how is it going to affect the bats which uh, travel across the area. Um, and so, you know, you're looking at having lighting that doesn't, uh, doesn't bleed into the sky. 
I was a little bit disappointed because uh, this company dug up the topsoil, uh, ruined the area for the newt's breeding ground, but they only got fined £2,885, which to me it doesn't sound like a lot, really. No, that doesn't sound like much either. No. So anyway, I um, thought that was interesting, but again, a difference between England and here. I mean, I've never heard of places so having so many restrictions on building yeah that's why people live in skips now <laughs> <laughs> something exciting is coming to um, an area near cheltenham there is what's known as the 270 climbing park now this is like one of those high rope courses oh um, you know with zip lines and climbing obstacles and things like that um the central feature of the area will be uh, an act, what they call an activity tower, which is 22 meters high or 72 feet. Um, that's where the zip line goes from. Um, there's even a high, what they call a high rope race course. So you can race against a competitor. So you can race against one of your friends. But that is at uh, 14 meters, which is 45 foot off the ground. So, I don't know. I mean, it sounds pretty scary to me, but um, it sounds like it's going to be massive. And they're building it in three phases, and so they're going to be adding more and more things as they go on uh, building over the year. But uh, that is opening on April 8th. So, if any of my friends over there uh, decide to go, um, I'd like a report back on that. That sounds uh, very interesting. I want to go. I yeah. like I like the treetop racing rope course stuff. That's fun. Yeah. I did a scary one one time. Ooh. One last piece of interesting news I thought um, was the headline was surfing. Can it improve mental health? And there is a what you call an artificial wave pool in North Bristol, right? So one of those swimming pools that um, has artificial waves and you can actually learn to surf there. That's cool. Now, I I think a very clever PhD student uh, decided that they were going to do their uh, PhD thesis on whether surfing improved your mental health. So, you know, she's... um, And specifically in women, apparently, but she has taken a group of women and help them go to at least six or eight different uh, surfing classes and is measuring the difference in their mental health before and afterwards. Um, That's a cool study. Yeah, and the uh, swimming pool company that called The Wave is now going to sponsor her to do this PhD. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) Brah! Saw, dude! (laughs) I just thought, all right... Doing any kind of activity outside of your normal routine, like, you know, outside of your work routine and your daily household routine. I mean, I don't think anyone, I mean, really, seriously, is anyone going to go surfing uh, and then come away feeling sad? I don't know. Probably not, you know. Um, But I think you could achieve the same thing if you went walking or, you know, swimming or cycling or, you know, it's any activity that gets you out of the house and... (laughs) Here's the thing. What? Yes, you can get out of the house by walking or cycling, but you don't have the cool factor <laughs> if you're surfing. You just feel cool. Right, right. And that's, that's a, a boost right there. Like, <laughs> no one looks cool walking, but everyone looks cool surfing. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> What's going on in West Plains? Well, West Plains has some things definitely going on. But first of all, I'm going to mention something that affects the entire state of Missouri. And I am okay with it for once. Wow. Yes. And it actually has to do with taxes. And I'm actually okay with it. Oh, oh. (laughs) I know, right? What have you been drinking? I know. Did I fall down the stairs? No. Okay. So there's a Missouri House bill that would require car dealerships to collect sales tax, eliminating the need for temporary tags. Now, that doesn't sound like much. I know. You're going to have to explain this to my English friends. Yes. Okay. So here in the States, if a car on a dealership is $6,000, it's not just $6,000. It's $6,000. And then when you start talking to the 
salesperson, you pay a sales tax on top of that, depending on the state you're in, changes the percentage. Right. So instead of being $6,000, it's probably 6500 or whatever your sales tax is. I know it's higher in some states. Yeah. But you don't pay, you don't pay the sales tax uh, at the same time that you buy the car, right? Correct. You pay that at the DMV. Right. You have to so go to you, the DMV to get your license plates or tags, as they yes. call it. And you pay your sales tax there, which is a often huge sum. a large sum. Yes. Yeah. And the problem is people often can buy a car um, on installments or on credit, right? Yep. But then they they drive around with these temporary tags. Run out after 30 days. Which run out (laughs) after 30 days and they still drive them around um, because they can't afford to pay the lump sum of the sales tax. Correct. Right. So what's happening now or what's being proposed? Okay, so... If you guys hear anything about it and there's any kind of voting on it, the bill is called HB 415 and it was already approved here and it's going to move to the Senate to complete its approval. Right. And it's going to make temporary tags obsolete unless you voluntarily go get one for, say, a private sale. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because you still have to pay taxes on things like that. Yeah. Now, let's see, where did it go? Okay, yeah, under the bill, buyers would have to pay a lump sum before taking their vehicle off the lot. Residents have been known to continue to drive with expired temp tags because they claim to be unable to afford to pay the sales tax all at once. HB 415 would allow sales tax to be rolled into the buyer's monthly payments. If approved, the Department of Revenue would set the actual rules and regulations governing execution of the bill. Now, there's already a state right next to us that does this. Oh, yeah? Which Illinois. One? Oh, okay. They already do that. So instead of you having to be stressed about how big your payment's going to be at the DMV, it's already in your monthly payment. Right. And gets taken care of. Brilliant. So when you go buy your uh, tags, mm-hmm. actually some places in Illinois can issue tags, dealerships. They're authorized to issue metal plate tags. Wow. So this is going to cut down a lot of DMV lines. Yeah. And if, if you're in England, you probably have, you, you may or may not know, but the DMV is one of those most despised places uh, because usually you're having to queue or wait in line for mm-hmm. ages and ages. And it's usually for silly stuff mm-hmm. uh, because at the DMV, that's where you get your titles transferred over into your name. Uh, it's where you verify whether or not the car was yours even though you have the information if you're buying a new car if you're selling a car anything that has to do with vehicle registration titling uh, making sure that your personal property tax if you have to deal with that in your state has been paid up you can't do anything unless that's done yeah and just having people come in to pay a huge lump sum is very stressful the lines are long and it would just eliminate so much standing around there. Well, and as everyone knows, the people that work at the DMV are all sloths, right? And they don't want to be there anyway. <laughs> Have you seen Zootopia? I love that movie. That's like the best part. When I saw the line <laughs> at the DMV, I was like, oh gosh, are we in Georgia? <laughs> like I'm triggered here. When I Okay, so when I first came to America back in 2001... I, well, I didn't have a, a car for the first year, which was tough. But then when I got one, I had to had to do my driving license, uh, driving testing all over again, you know, the written and the, um, the, and the practical one. <laughs> and in Chicago, the DMV, I mean, seriously, there were, a, a, there must have been at least a thousand people there on that day. I mean, I, I was oh. queuing for at least two hours just to get up to the front counter, you know, and then they give you the forms to fill out and... Then you get set up with a, an instructor or a, an examiner. Um, and <laughs> and uh, she was pretty strict on me. Too. Yes. She was oh like, my gosh. All right. If you cut, if you're turning, you know, because, you know, apparently when you turn left, you're, you're not supposed to cut off, you know, you're not supposed to cross the uh, opposite lane. Correct. You know, cut the corner. Correct. And I guess I did that on the first corner. And she was like, do that again. And we're going back to the DMV. You know what? So, what? I really don't like it when people cut across the corners when they turn left because they run me over. 
Right. <laughs> if you're there, yes. I, I was don't, there. <laughs> don't do that. No, I know. She was right. It was just, I think she was a bit brusque in the way that she, oh, yeah, she <laughs> spoke. I mean, know? she was there in Chicago having to deal with like a ton of people. She was probably burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. Probably definitely burnt out. Definitely. Um, another thing for everybody in West Plains, I'm sure a ton of you know this already. I oh, know, I oh, was excited. Hang on, but what I, what I wanted to say was that um, coming back to uh, sticker prices, that was also confusing for me when I first got here because, oh. you know, there virtually, I don't think any products are listed with the sales tax included. And yet over in England, the VAT is always included in the price. So what you see is what you pay. Yeah. You know, and uh, you were mentioning this, right? You looking at car prices over there. Yeah, just looking at them. I'm like, hey, let's see how much these little cars are compared to here. And I was just floored. But you were asking, okay, well, if that car is 10000 you know, what, what do you actually pay? And they were saying, oh, you pay 10000 you know. There's no additional tax or fees. That's the price. So I was... But that's the same. But but that goes for everything here, right? So everything in the grocery store that you see, um, obviously a lot of food items don't have sales tax on, but luxury items do. And so it was so hard to adjust to that. You know, I would get up to the counter with the exact money, and then forget. Oh no, there's sales tax to be added on. You know. Well, anyway. Yes. Anyway. Yes. To lower your food bills, everybody, chicks and ducks are at. The feed and seed stores. Yes. Like my phone. It just quacks all the time. Mm -hmm. So my chickens and ducks are in full swing laying eggs. I'm drowning. I'm drowning in eggs. Yeah. So. Making a lot of frittatas, I see. Yes. Delicious. Mm. Uh, Fun news that is in coming to West Plains. It's going to be at the Civic Center on March 31st. Extreme Bulls is coming to the theater. Civic Center. Yes, they're going to have Wayward Son, Extreme Bulls, Bronx, and musical bands are going to be there. This is real bulls. like Real Real bulls. And bull riding, right? Bull riding and bronco riding. Wow. Yes. And they're doing it inside the Civic Center. Looks like it. Wow. Looks like it. So... They're going to be doing that March 31st and April 1st. So they'll probably do something funny on April 1st. It seems like it. Oh, uh, right. So they're also going to have live music. Renata, the band, is going to be coming from Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, and these aren't some little side bull riders. These are some of the top bull and bronc riders in the world. Wow. They're going to be going uh, head-to-head with really aggressive bulls and horses and seeing who can hold on. You know what? We should probably go to that. I'd, I've never seen one of those in real life. Oh, they're fun. I went to a little one before, and that was great. Yeah. Okay. You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, they're abusing the bulls. I'm like, these bulls live like kings. <laughs> okay? Yeah. These bulls live like kings. I was watching. Most of them love and take care of the bulls. The guys who are going to ride the bull that they're paired up with, they actually go hang out with the bull beforehand. Oh, okay. These people are petting them through the bars and mm-hmm. loving on them. The owners of the bulls are giving them massages. Wow. And then the bulls know as soon as that rope goes around their stomach, it's time to work. Okay. <laughs> and their job is to get that person off as fast as they can. And they are, they're only on for a few seconds, aren't they? I think eight seconds is the uh, the cutoff. Wow. At eight seconds, you have to get off. Oh, yeah? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And it doesn't seem long, but eight seconds on a several, like a ton animal swinging around like that is tough. Yeah, it's probably several ton, right? I think some of the big ones might get that heavy. Yeah. That's a big cow. Wow. But anyway, the mm-hmm. uh, tickets can be purchased at the box office night of show or by calling 417-256-8087. Okay. So Ticketmaster is also a thing, but you know. Some people don't like Ticketmaster, and I understand. Yeah. Robert Smith doesn't like Ticketmaster. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Another fun thing that is coming. The legit Speedway Park season opener is quickly approaching. It's going to be on April 8th. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a prize. Yeah. So the opener weekly racing is a $2,000 win for the super late models. They're going to open the gates at 5 and they're going to do some hot laps at 6.30, and then the actual racing will begin at 7. Okay. So that's the 
first little thing they've got going on, there's going to be another race going on on the 22nd of May. And that one's going to have a $10,000 prize. Wow. Yes. And there's tons of modifications. People who know what kind of modifications, you'll have to do your research in on that one. But to see a $10,000 prize sounds fun. Okay, so I do see a lot of people around here. They'll have a be driving a truck with a trailer, and they'll have like some kind of racing vehicle on the back of it. Yes, it's that kind of thing. Yes. Okay. They're going to do that at the Legit Speedway. They do all types of racing over there. Uh, I believe they also have demolition derbies. So you'll see a really ugly looking car, and they just drive them to bust them up. Really close to us, though, is Willow Springs. And the Willow Springs Library is hosting a series of scavenger hunts. Ooh. Yes. They're going to have, I think, scavenger hunts for kids. They have them for couples. So check out their website. If you're in Willow Springs or, or going up to Willow Springs, they'll probably have some fun stuff for you to do there. And the last little bit, the I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but that's okay. It's kind of close to us as well. Mountain View, Missouri, is the Viandal vineyard cork hunt what <laughs> the cork hunt. <laughs> cork hunt i love their little posting that they have right here which i'm going to read to you come one come all as long as you're 21 and older and have a good time the event will take place rain or shine so be sure to be on time and dress for the fun so what is a cork hunt it's like an easter egg hunt but better okay they'll have wine beer food prizes and more so I'm kind of interested in that. I've never heard of a cork hunt, and I want to go. They have yeah. tickets are $15. A ticket and event shirt is 27 So I I kind of want to go see what this is all about. You just get to go hunt for wine corks in a vineyard. I'm like, yes, hopefully <laughs> while you have a glass of wine. <laughs> so, yes, that's what I've got going on for West Plains, Willow Springs, and... Uh, what did I say? Mountain Grove. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I also saw the Harlan Museum in West Plains mm-hmm. is going to start doing a art classes for kids on Monday evenings uh, from 4.15 to 5.30, uh, K through 5th grade, that is. So um, I might be checking that out to take the boys over there. Oh, cool. Because they both love doing art. Um. Just a reminder that the yard sale week is coming up, uh, oh. April 13, 14, and 15. Um, you can host a yard sale without having to pay for the uh, permission slip from the council. And then following that will be the spring cleanup week, April 17th through the 21st, where, uh, like I said before, the in addition to picking up your regular garbage, they will also be collecting um, garden waste or yard waste. So, and and probably some other things as well. You know, like if you're trying to get rid of a, an old fridge or things Mattress. like that. Mm-hmm. Mattresses, yeah, definitely. So, um, put that on your calendar, and then finally, down at the old Osby, uh, the business incubator, there is going to be an art display up on the first floor by a Barbara Robinette, and she does beautiful watercolors. Oh, uh, Things yeah. like poppies and things like that. And so her art will be on display from March 31st all the way through the end of June. So you've got Ooh. plenty of time to go and see that. But uh, go early, uh, because otherwise you'll probably forget. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you think you've got a lot of time to go and see something, and you're like me, you'll wait until the very last day. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, no. No, <laughs> I am what they know. What is known as an eleventh hour man. <laughs> My mother will attest to this. <laughs> I'm like, you know, actually, this is a, a theory in business school that doing things at the eleventh hour is actually more creative uh, because, you know, if you don't have any time constraint on doing something, well, then it can drag on and on. But if you give yourself a time constraint. Um, often you do an amazing amount of work in a short space of time. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> in fact, uh, there's a famous book called The Four-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris, if you've ever heard of that. Um, and one of his chapters or one of his top tips is, you know, 
set yourself imaginary deadlines and do things at the 11th hour. Okay, yeah. Because you're much good. more productive. Anyway, um, moving on, we've got some interviews with the cast of The Odd Couple. Yes, we do. So um, let's hear from the cast. So I'm here in the green room with a couple of the actors backstage. Victoria's here. How are you, Victoria? I'm doing so good, I can't hardly stand it again. (laughs) And also with me is Joy. Uh, How are you, Joy? Great. Ready for Saturday night. Woo! (laughs) Excellent. Now, uh, Joy, you're playing one of the uh, characters who should be a man, right, Uh, called Roy. Uh, But we've subtly changed the name to Joy. We've had our first performance last night. How how do you think uh, things are going so far? I think they're going really good. Uh, Second night, people kind of get a little easy, and Mm. they get a little cocky, so just got to remember to bring up energy, and that's kind of what I'm doing with myself. Um, And the name change is great, because my father-in-law's name is Roy, my husband's name is Royce, and I'm Joy. So, fun. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Now, have you um, been acting long? Is this your? It's not your first play, is it? No, no, not my first. Um, I acted all through high school and all through college. Took a kind of a break and then started back here uh, at the Avenue with Charlotte's Web, and that was several years back. And I just normally hit the fall and spring shows. Oh, okay. Charlotte's Web. That was a book. I remember reading that, but uh, and mm-hmm. I've seen the movie, obviously. But right. How right. was it as a play? It was wonderful. Um, it was a big cast, lots of kids, lots of adults, humans, animals, um, and it was it was really good. It drew a big crowd, and um, it was adapted well to the stage. Awesome. That's great. Well, um, I guess break a leg tonight, as they say. Ah, as they say. <laughs> Hopefully uh, I don't do that again, because I almost did that last night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> So. Yeah, something. I don't know what happened. There's a se- there's a part of the scene where uh, the main character Felix gets water thrown in his face because he's acting um, kind of frazzled, and uh, you happen to, and then a picture fell off the wall as well, didn't it? And you, yeah, you yeah. came out behind him and slipped on the glass. So. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you are you doing okay today? Oh yeah, arm swollen, a little sore, yeah. but I'm okay. I got right back up. I wasn't cut or hurt real bad so the show must go on as they say indeed indeed (laughs) well thanks for talking with us thank you thank you for talking to me just walked into the green room is our stage manager uh cat how are you cat i'm doing okay tonight you sean excellent i'm doing well thank you i just want to say up front uh thanks for looking after us and keeping us all in order um (laughs) (laughs) that must be quite a task is it uh it can be challenging at times yeah just a little bit. Yeah. Um, have, have, we've had the first night. How have things been going so far? So far, I've actually, I mean, last night went great. I thought that it was a lot better than the practices have been going, you know, over the last course of a few weeks. So that was a great improvement, the yeah. first show night. Any, um, any accidents to speak of? We did have an accident. We did. Uh, we had a little slip last night on stage, and one mm-hmm. of our actresses got a little bit hurt, but I think she's going to pull through it. Yeah. Now, um, I'm, I'm guessing this isn't your first time uh, helping out at the Avenue Theatre or being a stage manager. Is that correct? Or? No, yes, it's my first time. Oh, this is it's your first, first time? time? Wow, you look like a never... consummate professional. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have never been in the theatre, not once. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's surprising. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate that. Sure. Now, um, you're going to be on the show in a couple of weeks' time, I, I gather, right? Um, talking about your business. Cajun food, is that what you, you do? Yes, it's right? Cajun cuisine, it sure is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rolling by you. Uh, eventually it's going to be a food truck, but right now I'm just working out of local venues and, you know, trying to build a crowd, and so far, so good. Excellent, that's great to hear. And you were recently at uh, Wages Brewery? I was, just a couple weeks ago, yes. I did one of uh, my favorite meals to make, which was a gumbo, and it turned out, I mean, I almost sold out. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, I look forward to interviewing you in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you so much. And good good luck with the show. Oh, sorry. Break a leg tonight. Hi, you too. (laughs) Now, uh, one of our lead actors has just walked into the green room um, playing the part of Oscar. Uh, Brett, how are you? Wonderful. Excellent. How how was the first night for you? It was fabulous. (laughs) That's great to hear. <laughs> As you suffer, a few words. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Now, is, is this your first production? It is not my first. No? What, I am. What other things have you done here? Oh, my goodness. Far out. Oh, it's a long list, is it? <laughs> There's a long list. Yeah. Yes. All kinds of musicals and comedies. Excellent. So you like singing as well? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I do get stuck in them sometimes. Have you always been into acting? No. Uh, my first production was 2002 oh. at South Pacific. South Pacific? Yeah, South Pacific. It was my first one. And then uh, No Time for Sergeants was my second. Wow. So, but that's, that's still 20 years of acting. Yeah, I guess that's been a long time. <laughs> movies, commercials, he's got the whole... He's got the whole Have time. you really? You've done movies? Yes, I've done a few movies, you know, small ones. Wow, that's awesome. Any, anything humble. I might have heard of? Um, well, we did the one, the local one that uh, everyone heard of that was called Tater to Million, and they changed the name to Lost Child. Oh, right. Yeah, I did hear about that. So mm-hmm. you're, you're a card-carrying member, then? Uh, not a card member, no. No, no. No. Oh, okay. No, but I also did a commercial here that played on the, the uh, movie theaters forever, where they called me the Far Out Guy. Ah, uh, okay. Because I said, Far Out. Ah, <laughs> you know that one? <laughs> well, excellent. Um, thanks very much, uh, and break leg tonight. Okay. <laughs> now, I've um, come over here to talk to... Uh, one of my counterparts, Murray, who uh, in the play really, really beats me up. <laughs> Are you enjoying this uh, sadistic role that you have? Yes, I like picking on Benny. <laughs> I know. You constantly make fun of how stupid I am, right? <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> so someone said to me after the show yesterday, um, "Oh, you, 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 you played the guy, the part of the, the straight man, really well." And I'm like, "It's pretty easy, you know. I just, just stand there and take it." <laughs> now you've been involved in um, productions here before, right? Yes. What what, what, yes. what have been some of the highlights for you? Um, well, I was uh, Granny Clampett last winter, last fall in uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Ah, Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Nice. I like I like funny stuff. So yeah, you know. But I was in the Wizard of Oz, and okay. I was also the Grandma Adams in the Adams Family. So I get typecast a lot. A <laughs> 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 hundred year old women, you know. Now, in this play, it's set in New York, right? And you've got this yes. really good uh, New York accent, I think, <laughs> right? Um, well, but, I do but, try. But, but you're not from New York, are you? No, no I'm from South Louisiana. South Louisiana, okay, right. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun working with you and getting oh, to know you. you. Yeah, I'm um, having a good time. Excellent. Well, great late tonight. <laughs> Thanks, so with me now is Jay, who's taking care of the lights and... Uh, Watching down from on high. Uh, how are you, Jay? Good, how are you? Excellent, thank you. And uh, is this your first time doing this? Doing lights, yeah. Oh, okay. Not for that with the Avenue. I've been here many times before. Yeah. So you've done other productions at other places? Is it? Not at other places. I've done it with like the high school when I was in high school, but we performed here. Oh, yeah. okay. My first time doing just full lights up top. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, I guess my main question is, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Mm-hmm. It seemed like the uh, the audience last night really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. 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 They were laughing a lot, and then there were times where, like, I knew that it was funny, and then everyone else thought it was funny, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. Um, all I can say really is thank you very much for, um, you know, looking after us. No problem. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Now I'm going to come over here and uh, chat with my best friend, Murray. Uh, he's, he's also my partner in crime, playing the part of the policeman, uh, another card player. Um, Murray, uh, how, how are you feeling about the performance so far? Probably cautious. Yeah? Yeah. Now, is this your first time acting? Well, I dabbled a little in junior high. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this that was, that was a good 35 years ago. This is a... This is pretty much a new experience for me. Yeah, I, I, I concur. I mean, I think it was about 35 years ago that I did some sort of high school play. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of in the same boat, aren't we? 
Yeah, I don't recall it being this strenuous. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you do back then? Oh, I just... It seems like I played a part of some farmer. And I don't even remember that. No? Yeah, I don't even recall the name of the play. Okay. But yeah, so, I, re- so I know I was in it. So what, what prompted you to come down for the audition? Well, I was bored and I saw an ad in the Facebook pages and I uh, thought, heck, I could do that. Right on. Still not sure if I was right or not, but <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was good at the time. Well, excellent. Break a leg tonight. You too, sir. Caden. Caden. Okay. So, Caden, is this your, your first time acting? No. No, it doesn't look like it. It looks like you've done quite a lot before. I did a lot in high school. Okay. And then I did Beverly Hills. Oh, you did? Okay. Short scale. Ah, right. Okay. Well, I like your British accent. It's very good. I was so nervous because I heard you have one. I was like, I hope I can do it proud. Yeah, no. No, it's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the scene with you and Victoria. It's just hilarious, I think. I really love it. It's yeah. really nice. It's really fun. I mean, for the people that haven't seen it, you, you, you and um, Victoria are sitting on either side of Felix. Yeah. And he looks so uncomfortable. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's wiping his arms. He's doing everything he can to get away from us. Yeah, it got, yeah. A, lot, got a lot of laughs tonight. So, yeah. A lot of laughs. They laugh every single time. Every time. Every time he would move. Every time. Closer and closer and closer. Well, it's a pleasure working with you and yes. being in the show. Now you know my name. I do. Yes, I think. I'm going to go back and make notes. So. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we just finished the show. And uh, how was it for you, Victoria? Oh, our scene went great. Excellent. Yes, it was so silly. Everybody was laughing. Nice, nice. Did you ask them to? It was very funny. Just a little. Lots of laughs just tonight. Little, well, just a little. And then I asked you about Sean or not. How about y'all? I mean, you know, I think it went pretty well, really. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It was a good crowd, too, wasn't it? Yes, it was a really good crowd. Yeah. You know, and they started laughing, and, like, the pauses to let everybody laugh, that was kind of, like, self-satisfying. It was like, mm-hmm. laugh at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris. Yes. The director. And the, the star and the, and the star of the show, Felix. If you want to call it that. Yes, I do. Um... How's it, how's it going for you so far? So far, so good. Uh, you know, we uh, before the show, we talked about the second show, Curse. Yeah, and yeah. And I feel like maybe I shouldn't have mentioned the second show, Curse, because then it became kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I heard everybody start talking, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Everybody's energy's down, and that has a way of getting in your head, and then the flow gets off. We did have a really good crowd, though. We did, didn't we? I mean, they laughed at yeah. every joke. They laughed at places that they hadn't laughed at uh, last night. Exactly. Yeah. Which always happens. There's things that you'll think are funny that the audience doesn't laugh at, mm-hmm. and then things that you don't think are funny that the audience does laugh at. And, right. Um, there were scenes tonight that I thought were better than last night. Mm-hmm. I thought the scene with the girls was better and funnier. Mm-hmm. But they were reacting really well to that. Mm-hmm. And so when you're getting that feedback, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to really, like, dig into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like we really dug into that scene. I mean, it's a challenge directing and acting. Have you ever done that before? I have, and yeah. I said I wouldn't do it again. Yeah, and <laughs> you're doing it again. It, I, you know, some people are very good at kind of turning off the director brain mm-hmm. and just throwing themselves into the character. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really hard for me. Yeah. It's hard for me to not, not get lost in my own head thinking what everyone else needs to be doing. When I look across the stage, instead of saying my lines, I'm thinking, oh, that table is off-centered. Mm-hmm. The table was in the wrong place. It tonight. was, I know. I don't know if you noticed, but yeah, the no, table... Yeah, no, I did, because there wasn't any space behind yeah, me. it was about <laughs> six inches to the right. Yeah. And so then I'm thinking, okay, make a note, do this, you know. And it's mm-hmm. like director brain takes over. Right, right, right. So, yeah. I have to say, you have... You and Oscar have the most lines. I'm so impressed by... Oh, my gosh. I mean... I mean, I've had big parts before, but I don't know that I've ever had that many consecutive pages of dialogue with just one other person. Right, right. I mean, there's no one to give you a break. No, I mean, it's not like they talk for a little bit and I get to breathe. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the back and forth is a lot. Yeah, it's rapid-fire stuff, isn't it? Yeah. 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 
Well, I'm enjoying it. I'm glad you're in the show. It's yeah, it's a real. It's a privilege. It's a lot know? of fun. It was, it was definitely a happy accident being here. You oh know? well, good. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, steering steering us and guiding us and well, I, giving I us you, good uh, advice. I hope you come back to the avenue. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Good. For the record there, we heard from Chris Herbelsheimer, who plays the part of Felix and directs the show. We heard from Brett Osborne, who plays the part of Oscar. Joanne Hall, who plays the part of Speed. I uh, incorrectly introduced her as Murray. We heard from Joy Pace, who plays the part of Joy. From Sean Boyer, who plays the part of Murray. From Caden Lair, who plays the part of Gwendolyn. And of course, our one and only Victoria Stacy, who plays the part of Cecily. As you've just heard, uh, those are the lovely people that we've been working with in producing this amateur production of The Odd Couple. Um, it's been a blast so far, hasn't it? It has been. There have been some weird ups and downs and yeah. stuff like that, but it's been fantastic. Yeah. As as you heard there in the interviews, that we had a little accident on the very first <laughs> night in the first scene. or There's a scene where Felix comes running out of the bathroom and Oscar, the other main character, throws a glass of water in his face to get him to calm down. And when he did this, Joy was running behind Felix and a, a picture fell off the wall. The glass in the picture cracked and was on the floor. She walked out, stepped on the glass and fell on her back. And, you know, unfortunately did injure herself, you know, uh, certainly got a couple of bruises from it. Um, but she's okay. Yes, she is um, okay. But it, you know, for a comedy, you know, it's not really a slapstick comedy as such, right? They but, loved it. But the, the audience loved it. I think they thought it was part of the play, but no, it was a complete accident. So You know, it it was an accident. I'm glad she's okay. It kind of works with how his apartment is supposed to be like, though. Yeah. Just crud yeah. falling off the walls. And actually, if you don't know the story, it's basically uh, two divorce couples. Oh, uh, sorry. It was actually two divorce guys, uh, one who's been divorced for a while and uh, a, a guy called Felix who's newly divorced after 12 years of marriage. And he's so depressed, he, he wants to kill himself. And he goes to his friend Oscar's apartment and Oscar takes him in. And then... They become like a married couple themselves, don't they? Hilarity ensues. Yeah. Don't give it all away. No, no. But, <laughs> you know, I think that's, that is the main joke, right? That uh, yes. these two divorce guys get together and then they become like a married couple anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we we don't have uh, huge uh, roles in it, do we? But I'm kind of glad about that because... Yes, I um, couldn't do the, the big roles. The I main two characters have so much text and dialogue, golly. I'm impressed um, with what they, they have. Yeah, like, really. It's just... Really. They're doing a great job. I know I wouldn't made it that far. Yeah. Well, um, sh this show goes on. Today uh, is Sunday, like I said, and we're going to do the matinee at 3. And then for the rest of the week, there will be shows at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then finishing up with one more matinee a week from today at 3 o'clock. And yep. then we will be done and... I don't know if I'll ever do that again. I will, I will be taking a break, but they do have the director's courses at the theater. And I'm like, huh, mm. I wouldn't mind giving people details on what to do. That could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. You like bossing people around, don't you? Get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I want to go back to writing, I think. You know, I did write a radio play and I want to get that finished. Um, like, you know, I've got like three more people that I need to find to record their parts for it. Um, and I think it'd be fun to actually write a, a new play with these people that we've met. You that know? would be wonderful. That'd be so cool. But deciding on the topic is hard, right? Because one of the things that you've got to know um, if you're not from West Plains is... It's a pretty conservative area, right? And I don't just mean that 98% of the population votes Republican. I mean that there's 67 different churches within like a 20-mile radius or something. Um, and so, you know, someone mentioned, oh, could we put on the musical uh, The Moulin Rouge or Chicago or maybe even 
Rocky Horror Picture Show. I would be down to be in that one. (laughs) Down for that. But the the consensus of feedback from the director and other people was, no, that would never fly in West (laughs) Plains. So, yeah, if that gives you any sort of sense of... uh, what the uh, theatre-going crowd is uh, here. <laughs> we there, There's even been a few words that we've had to take out of the script, right? Um, I think so. Because they might be a bit too offensive. <laughs> anyway, um, they do like that slapstick humour, though. They did. They yeah. really did. So, Yesterday they were laughing nonstop. Yeah, so maybe a, maybe a comedy with a bit of slapstick in it, something like that. It'd be good if we could find a topic that relates to life around here, you know? Yes. Don't know what that might be, but more on that later. Yeah. Yes. We'll get back to you on that one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, before we go, uh, just a quick thought for the day. Uh, Nothing too much, because if you're in England, you're probably well aware of the Gary Lineker controversy. Do you know who Gary Lineker is? I'm sorry, I don't know. No, so he was a soccer player. Okay. uh, Played for England and uh, was very successful. And now he's the host of the TV show that gives you all the roundup. It's called Match of the Day, and they have it on a Saturday, so... Um, they give you a roundup of all the goals that were scored during the day, right? And he also um, likes to occasionally p- post things on Twitter, uh, his oh, opinions. Going. And if you've heard, the uh, right-wing government in England right now has come up with this great idea of how they're going to deal with asylum seekers, and that is they're going to put them in detention centres in France. And... Uh, he posted something about the language that the government was using was reminiscent of 1930s Germany. Ooh. And the BBC thought that they would give him a tap on the, on the wrist, is that what you call it? And, yeah, and say, so. you know, uh, you need to stop posting political things like that. We're the BBC, we're supposed to be impartial. Um, and so they said, you know, we don't want you to present this weekend's show, or this was the last weekend. Um, But what they didn't realize was that a lot of other sports commentators across the BBC, they all boycotted their shows uh, for the weekend as well, uh, in solidarity with Gary Lineker. And in fact, a lot of people have come out in support of the fact that what's wrong with a TV presenter having opinions you know, I mean, it's not like he's on the on the on the football show and he's also talking about politics. You know, this is something that he's doing in his own time. And you can either, you know, as, as one of the comedians that I heard on the news quiz said, how often have has your opinion or how often has your political opinion been changed by reading a tweet? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> right. So, um, but it did strike me as an interesting story because... You know, the levels of freedom of speech in England and America are different, right? I mean, Americans, you guys love this idea of freedom of speech, right? I mean, I think it's almost got out of hand. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I think it's been taken to like the nth level here. Um, I think initially the idea was we don't want governments locking up people who have different political opinions, right? Correct. That should be the intention of it. You should be able to speak your mind about the government and not be intimidated by them, you know, locking you up for your political views. But obviously now it's like turned into, I, you know, I have the right to say whatever I want. Well, England, you know, like I've told you, you know, they'll have things like um, an advertising standards committee for example so you can't really disparage another competitor in your advertising like you can here you can't actually name your competitors and say you know they're doing a terrible job and we're doing a great job you can only promote your own company and your own products and services um obviously there's rules against hate speech and uh you know racial slurs and discrimination of any kind it, it, it seems almost like social media is the only place where that kind of extreme lang- language actually exists. So, Oh, <laughs> no, it exists other places. <laughs> well, maybe here, but I'm saying I'm talking about England. 
right? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, what are you thinking of? Um, I have played many an online video game with people from the UK and other parts of the world. <laughs> Believe me, oh, they right. slam out some speech. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. I, I was, yeah, okay. Well, I was really, I guess I was really talking about things that get published, you know. Oh, for, publishing, for the, yes. The, the wider audience that mm-hmm. can read and. Yes, you know, social media is a, a form of publishing in a way, or self-publishing. So I guess my final thought on this is, you know, the BBC should just have probably not said anything, you know, because it was someone on the right wing that was brought this to the attention of the BBC saying, hey, one of your highest paid, you know, sports presenters is also having political opinions. And we don't like their political opinions because they're <laughs> criticizing us. And so you should tell them off. And the BBC went along with that and told him off and really got quite a backlash. And I think if they had just done nothing, the matter would have been forgotten about. And we'd be going back to talking about the actual issue, which is the immigration policy. And now everybody's everywhere now. (laughs) Yeah, because really the policy got lost in all this drama or melodrama about Gary Lineker. Goodness. I know, I know. Calm down, people. Well, um, this is a family show, so I won't always tell you my political opinions here. <laughs> but uh, I'm I, sure they can tell a little bit about us based on a little, a bit, little yeah, comments. A little bit, probably. <laughs> anyway, um, that's all we have time for this week. I hope you have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Yes, we'll see you then. I'll see you. You've been listening to One Bloke Went to Moe.